Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 31, and then from 1 Peter, chapter 2. From the Psalms, in you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not ever let me be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You indeed are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. And First Peter chapter 2. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a quarterstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe he is precious, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. So in August of 1975, at a gift show in San Francisco, California, Gary Dahl revealed what would become an icon of the decade. Do you know what it was? The Pet Rock. Brad Baker, gold star. <laughs> Dahl, who worked in advertising and marketing, had been having drinks with coworkers months before, and they were sitting around talking about the destructive nature of their pets. They ruined furniture. They dug up the grass. And they required constant attention, feeding, cleaning, all of those things. Thus, the idea of the pet rock was born. And according to mentalfloss.com, Dahl went home and began writing an owner's manual for this hypothetical pet rock, which de detailed how best to handle it, the tricks it could perform, playing dead being the most favorite, 
and how it could remain a faithful companion due to its long life span. The pet rock was sold with the manual in a box that looked like the little kind of box that you might send a pet home from a pet store. It had little ventilation holes at the top and a handle to carry it home with you. Now, the fad lasted about six whole months until prices started dropping around um, February of 76. But dolls sold enough pet rocks at $4 per rock to become a millionaire. Even though the prices dropped, a star had been born. And it has been, the pet rock has shown up in all sorts of places in pop culture, from Sesame Street to the recently released movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Anybody seen it? Great. Great. Go see it. There's a pet rock. Our epistle reading today from 1 Peter talks about rocks. Jesus as the cornerstone. Jesus and Jesus' followers as living stones. All week I have been mulling this idea of living stones. And I really thought that maybe if I dug deep enough, I would find out some like little tidbit about living stones. That's what they called maybe a certain type of stone that you use in building or maybe a certain type of cut or something like that that would make the idea of living stones have a connection to something real. I'm not saying there isn't a deeper meaning to living stones. I'm just saying I I wasn't finding it. Thus, um, my ruminations on pet rocks this week. It seems like Peter is creating his own metaphor here, conjuring up a new and somewhat nonsensical image, living stones, rocks that are alive. It makes sense in some ways that the author of 1 Peter, which, as we've talked about in this particular sermon series, that the author of 1 Peter might not have been the Peter, Jesus' disciple, but that the author was clearly either writing on behalf of Peter or in Peter's spirit, which often happened in the time. Because Peter started out as Simon, if you recall in the gospel stories. And Jesus renamed him Peter, or Petros, meaning rock. And Jesus declared that upon this rock, meaning Peter, Jesus would build his church. Now, if we know anything about stone, and I'm no geologist, we know that it's usually, typically hard, resilient, and resistant to reshaping. It can take eons for nature to shape rock through wind and water. And if we know anything about Peter, we know that he was an exuberant, outspoken, and yet sometimes erratic follower of Jesus. Remember the time that Peter was in a boat and he saw Jesus, and he was so excited to see Jesus that he jumped out of the boat and almost drowned? Or the time that he denied knowing Jesus? Not once, not twice, 
but three times, right after a bold declaration of support and loyalty to Jesus? It seems kind of shaky logic for Jesus to choose someone like Peter to build his church. But it isn't a coincidence, then, that the writer of Peter chooses this stones as metaphor. This author knew the Psalms, and we hear an echo of Psalm 31. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. God, you are my rock and my fortress. And the writer of 1 Peter takes it one step further. Not only God is our foundation, Jesus is the cornerstone, but Jesus and the followers of Jesus are living stones. Living stones. Breathing, moving, growing, learning, alive. So last uh, weekend weekend, I was in San Diego with my BFF, Trudy Robinson, who is the senior pastor at First San Diego, First UMC San Diego. Um, I go to see Trudy a couple of times a year. She did move to San Diego from Colorado in January of 2020. So you can imagine it's been a, a bit of a journey for her to relocate states in that time. But this was not a beach trip this time. I went for a conference that Reverend Trudy has put, put together for church leaders. Um, it was called the Rewilding the Church Conference. And I was there not only to attend the conference, but to be an emotional support human for Trudy, who had poured her heart and soul and spirit into this conference. Now, the premise behind the conference was that, is that the world is changing. And the Holy Spirit is working within that change and doing new things. Unfortunately, over the ages, the church, big C church, you know, just the church, has sometimes been resistant to new things and might not shift and respond in a timely manner. Therefore, the invitation of the conference was to invite church leaders to understand some of the shifts in our culture in order to be able to adapt and minister in a new day. I'm going to share with you a little bit of the content of the conference. Try to stay awake. Jab your neighbor if you need to, if you start to get bored. But I really thought, man, when I share this, nobody in our church is going to be um, surprised. It's kind of, it's what we live into. The main speaker was Dr. Reverend, Reverend Dr. Jerry, oh my gosh, I can't even talk, Jeffrey Mahan, who was actually one of my professors at Iliff School of Theology many years ago. He has written a book called Church's Network, that I have right here. And he talks in the book and talked at the conference about the culture of the digital age. He spoke how, about how the presence of digital media in our world shapes culture. For instance, 
When the written word was only available via scrolls, think antiquity, there were those that were the keepers, readers, and interpreters of those scrolls. With the advent of bonded codex and the invention of the printing press, books became widely available to everyone, meaning that the general public became readers and interpreters of the text, including the Bible. That radically shifted what religious culture and church meant and how one lived in that time. And with books, kind of like this, there is a linear logic, right? Starting at the beginning and moving toward a fixed conclusion. You're not going to read this book and find something different every time. It's going to be the same. Dr. Mahan said that this linear logic shaped the culture in that the linear logic leads towards a fixed conclusion that is so powerful and long-lasting that it seems inevitable. Now, our culture is adjusting around the complexity of digital media. In the digital world, everything is made up of bits and has a fluid construction and connection. On the internet, it is easy to revise and update text, meaning that nothing is final. Everything is up for revision and rework. Maybe not a great example, but one that you'll probably understand. Think Wikipedia. Always changing. Everybody gets a say. It might be different every time you look. All of this leads to new ways of creating identity in our culture and especially within our religious culture. Now, instead of the church being the center of every connection that one might have in a town that you might live in your whole life, now the self is the center of one's culture and identity. The self is an ongoing construction assembled from multiple sources. At one point, maybe the church had provided the center of a network, but now the church is one piece of a a person's complicated web of connections. Are you glazing over yet? It's a little heady. I hope not. I think this is important. God is doing new things in our world. And the church has the opportunity to be a part of it, not just trail along behind. The good news, as I said earlier, is that Washington Park United Methodist Church is already living into this reality. Part of that is because we have a majority of people in our room that are younger and have never lived without digital technology in your lives. For some of us, it's a little bit of a, of a shift, putting myself in that category as an, as an elder. Uh, 
But I think that we see this. Here are the things that we already know. We already know that people aren't typically here every single Sunday. We have all sorts of things going on in our networks of social connection, of um, recreational, and sometimes even spiritual connections in other places. Individuals will come to our church, they will pick and choose activities and service opportunities and ways to learn and grow, depending on what they are able to be a part of. And the biggest celebration of that, do you remember Easter? When we had over 500 people in our building? What a blessing that our church is a part of over 500 persons' networks. That's amazing. Amazing. It's kind of like the rainbow. I was like, wow, Matt, you did a great sermon, or children's sermon for my sermon. And he was like, you would have thought that we connected. We did not. But the idea that, you know, there's all these colors, you get to kind of choose your own, and together we make something beautiful. It's community still. The author of 1 Peter says, once you were no people, but now you are God's people. And God continues to expand and grow what the idea of community means. How exciting. How exciting that we get to be living stones, moving, changing, growing. We live in a world where people don't spend their whole lives in one place and don't necessarily create lifelong friendships or connections that always stay. Sometimes they do. We are fluid. We are breathing. We are learning. We are transforming. And yes, indeed, Christ is our cornerstone. And yet Peter proclaimed for us that Christ is also a living stone, strong and present and enduring, but not unyielding. The living stone is alive and always ready for the Spirit's guiding. A living stone? Hmm. One that changes and moves? One that is exuberant and sometimes maybe outspoken and erratic, but always, always being shaped by the Spirit. Thanks be to God. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.